and welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is Sales Tax Fiasco, the sequel. Uh, but first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us to keep up to date with our daily photos and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use that subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on our website. Or you can find a blank one on Amazon Prime. All right, so for some of you who may have looked at this this title and said, hey, you guys did this one already. Well, it's the problem that just won't end. So I wanted to give you guys an update. Uh, it's about we're coming into the end of the third quarter, middle of the third quarter, uh, coming up on Christmas, and the problem hasn't gotten better from when I podcasted on this uh, before. So to give all of those who are new to this topic a little bit of a refresher, the uh, South, it's, it was Wayfair versus South Dakota in July of uh, 2018. The Supreme Court heard the decision between the two and decided that the previous laws, which had governed collection of sales tax, were obsolete and needed to be updated. So the way the old sales tax laws were written was there was, you had to have essentially a physical presence in a state to be considered to have a nexus in that state. For example, you had to have a mailing address of some sort in the state. Once you had a mailing address in that state, whether it be a warehouse, a, a, a different headquarters, whatever it may be, the physical address constituted nexus, which meant that you had to collect sales tax for that state and the sales that were made in that state. If you were a web-based retailer, you only had to collect sales tax in the state where your company was headquartered or where you had warehouses, and uh, the individuals you sold to had to report that they had purchased certain in items on the internet and pay sales tax on them uh, as was their appropriate jurisdiction uh, on their own personal taxes. Well, the problem was that South Dakota argued that not enough citizens were doing that and they weren't able to collect enough sales tax because most people don't actually do that on their taxes. And so that it Wayfair needed to collect the sales tax on behalf of the, the citizens and remit that to South Dakota. And uh, the Supreme Court found in favor of South Dakota which seems crazy. And uh, now that happened in 2018. There was a good kind of craziness that happened from in many of the retailers because this was a pretty substantial change to the law. Most states hadn't figured out how to collect, you know, how to organize themselves or collect sales taxes by the end of 2018. So for the most part, most retailers didn't have a good answer. But 2019 rolled around and just like that, many, many, many states started instituting what they called remote seller laws. And uh, there's quite a few on the books now, and I am one of those remote seller in a couple of different places. They created a threshold, the Supreme Court did, um, that was kind of stated in the decision as an example of what you needed to, what, what the states could do to start charging sales tax. So you needed to have, for example, the court said, $100,000 in sales or 200 unique transactions in the state. Now, for those of you doing the math, 200 transactions is a really low bar to set. If you sell koozies, uh, those little things that hold your cans for five dollars and you sell them in any state you could hit 200 sales a thousand dollars worth of revenue pretty quickly and then you have to figure out how to pay sales tax in all of the states that you sell from there on now that's obviously incredibly complicated uh, and there's not a lot of interesting there's not a lot of easy access to information on exactly how to do this. The only place that I found that I, I really like using, uh, for those of you who feel like this may affect you, your small business or anything else, um, is the, uh, it's a place called salestaxinstitute.com. They're, they've got a lot of good stuff. They actually have pretty, 
organized and simplified ways of reviewing which states have instituted sales tax on remote sellers, what those thresholds are. And then there's things like, well, how do you like, when do you have to start collecting? Is it the next transaction after you hit 200? Is it other things? Sometimes it's other things. So there is a, a lot of different, a uh, lot of different complexities because now each of the own, their own states are able to collect however they'd like. And it's insanity. It really is. And it's really being a real pain for our business. Um, and for those of you who think that this is going to be, this is, this is something that is going to attack big, big, big businesses. That's not going to, they, they already had to collect sales tax, right? Target already had to collect sales tax in every state. They have businesses in every state. Amazon already had to collect sales tax in every state. They have warehouses in every state. So the big businesses that have existed in all of the states and have most of their distribution networks set up, they already had to do this. This is mostly and intentionally targeting small businesses just like mine. And it has been a real pain in the butt, not to not to complain here, but there is a, um, the, I think actually I'm going to read you, and I wrote, read this in the last one, I, I, it was just so good, but in uh, Justice John Roberts wrote these words in the dissenting opinion. The court, exam, the court for example, breezily disregards the cost it, that its decision will impose on retailers. Correctly calculating and remitting sales tax on all e-commerce sales will likely prove baffling for many retailers. No kidding. This needs to be fixed. Now, the um, the, the best part of all of this is that it's just, there, I mean, there are 10,000 tax jurisdictions. Um, actually, I'm going to continue reading because he continues. With, oh, there are over 10,000 tax jurisdictions that levy sales tax, each with different tax rates different rules governing tax-exempt goods and services, different product category definitions, and different standards for determining whether an out-of-state seller has a substantial presence. Now, that was his words, not mine, and it perfect. It's spot on. It's, it's going to be a nightmare for us, the Murdy Creative Company, to comply with this. But we're going to do it because we have to, because we're a good company that does the right thing, even when the right thing is essentially impossible. Now, the free market, in its wisdom, was able to create something called tax uh, tax jar. Uh, and I, for those of you who are in this this problem, who are trying to figure this out, tax jar is actually a really good resource. They've got a couple of really nice, well built APIs, um, but beyond that, they're also integrated with a lot of sales platforms, where it actually can do a lot of the calculation and a lot of the compliance, where it'll submit on your behalf what you need to have for each of the states, um, which I think is the way these things go. Right? Somebody comes up with a good idea, and tax jar has done a good job. I am currently in the midst of trying to encourage Wix, our website provider, to incorporate this into their platform just built in. It's not, and they don't have a good answer for this, and it's a real problem. So that's uh, that's something we need to get solved. So the private world has come up with a bit of a solution for this, and we're going to do our best to, to implement it as, as effectively as we can, but it's definitely going to take a lot of time to comply with these. But there's a bigger issue here that I think really manifests in this problem. This is a classic example of taxation without representation. One of the arguments behind the old Nexus law was that if you had a physical presence in the state, like a mailing address, you then also had a representative in the state government that would lobby on your behalf, who you could reach out to and argue that this was unfair. The problem with remote sellers is if I'm in Wisconsin and I have only have a location in Wisconsin and I have to collect sales tax in Arizona or Alabama or any of the other states... I have no representative that I can reach out to in those states to say that this is unfair. There's nobody to talk to. So that's great. 
And uh, I think it's going to be a more, it's going to be a bigger issue than not. But what do you do, right? You obey the law. You follow the, the rules as best you can. Ironically, the 200 threshold, the 200 individual sales threshold is way more difficult than the $100,000. $100,000 is a decent amount of money, right? And $100,000, in my opinion, is definitely enough money where, it, even though it's not great, it's possible that it may be more cost-effective to, to pay for this, right? But that actually presents a different problem because here's the thing. If you've got a hundred thousand dollars that you're doing in sales, you're doing a lot more than 200 unique sales. You could be doing 10,000 sales, right? Let's say your product costs a hundred dollars, just as an argument's sake, you could do 10,000 sales before you hit that threshold. The problem is, is once you hit that threshold, every sale beyond that, you need to properly collect and remit the taxes, right? So let's say you do a lot of business and you hit that a hundred thousand dollar threshold in the first hmm, six months of the year. In the second six months of the year, when you're likely to do that much or more because of Christmas, you're going to likely see another 10,000 or 15,000 transactions, which means you need to be keeping track and paying to each of the local municipalities the appropriate tax rate for that municipality. And there are over 10,000 tax jurisdictions in this country. So this becomes an, a problem that does not that it does not scale easily or it scales incredibly complexly. And there's really no easy way to get out of it, except for implementing something like this API. And that takes time, money, compliance costs. There's always the issues that go into the, there and um, it's always changing. The rules have changed in many states several times this year alone because it's brand new this year and they're still figuring it out. So I'm not thrilled about that. Now, there is hope that the government will fix this and I say that loosely. One of the governmental uh, things that I'm really looking forward to if it passes is uh, it's a Senate Finance Committee uh, bill that's currently being uh, discussed in committee and it's S period 2350. So S2350 is a, um, well, it's a really quite a smart bill. The way it works essentially is it says that if you are a company that at collectively makes less than $10 million, you don't have to pay any of the state sales tax beyond the state you have a physical presence in. And you know what? And because it's a federal law, it would cover all the states. Like that would supersede any of the local state regulations. And you know what? That would actually be probably a pretty effective way of solving this. Because the people that this hurts is the small businesses. It's the startups. It's the mom and pop shops that, that sell online, right? It's the people that are trying to just come up with a clever product and sell it. And it's going to be a problem that just continues to get worse and worse and worse. And it's not going to get simpler. Not without something federal like this. And it, we need this. We, we need to have a system that's, that doesn't necessarily make it hard for small business to do business because small businesses make up the vast majority of businesses in this country. They're the largest employers collectively. And for us at the Murdy Creative Company, we're going to have to spend a lot of money complying with this. Money that could be spent buying new products, working on building new things, building more raw inventory for our Christmas season, hiring more people. I mean, there's a, a lot of other things we could be doing with this money from the compliance alone, not just the taxes that we're going to have to pay in addition to, which... The taxes I disagree with, but that's more of a principal thing. I mean, I'm going to pay them, but it's the compliance costs that I think are the real problem because the compliance costs are absurd compared to the tax rates, right? I, I use this example on Twitter, and I think this is a pretty apt one. Let's go back to the koozie example. Let's say you t sell 200 of those little koozies in Illinois, right? Now you have to pay sales tax on every sale after that. Let's say you sell another 200 because that's $1,000 and that's not that many koozies when it comes down to it if you're trying to run a small business, right? That's perfectly reasonable. 
Well, now all of a sudden you have to pay someone to properly remit the taxes because you're probably not going to do it because you're probably not a tax expert and these are complex matters and you go to jail or you get fined if you do it wrong. So let's say you pay your accountants, who, by the way, are not that much better at doing this because this is brand new for them too. So let's say you pay your accountants to do this. 200 individual transactions that need to be properly cataloged, the proper sales tax needs to be A, collected on the front end, and that's complicated in its own right, but then B, you need to properly file and, and, and send the state the proper taxes. Well, there's different tax jurisdictions, so that you have to look them all up and figure out what the proper rate is to be charging for that, that state or for that, that jurisdiction. And you may not have charged the proper rate when you charge the customer, so you may have to pay a little out of pocket just to comply with this. So if you're going to take this to your account and you're going to tell them, hey, I got 200 transactions, I need to, to pay this to the government, we need to get this squared away, they're probably not going to do it themselves because if you're a CPA, this is a little bit lo below your pay grade and you cost $150 an hour. So instead you give it to your book person who probably gets paid $50 an hour and takes them two hours because let's say they're really fast at it and 200 transactions, they're going to do a transaction a minute where they look it up and they're going to figure it out. So let's say it takes them a little bit, about two hours, right? So it's going to cost $100 for them to just figure out the compliance. Well, you realize that Illinois has got a state sales tax of about 6.25%, 6 um, plus whatever the local municipalities sales tax also apply. So now you've got a 6% sales tax that you have to pay on top of the product cost. But you also, that's, let's say that's $65, right? But you also have to pay the accountants the $100 to do the, the calculations. So now the overall cost for compliance and paying of that taxes on $1,000 worth of sales is $165, which is 16.5%. Now, that's a lot of money for a small business. It's a lot of business money for anybody. I mean, 16.5% is a lot of margin that you have to pay in compliance and sales tax. So that's where a lot of this, I think, is... is it's not really going to help the small businesses. It's going to hurt the small businesses a lot. It doesn't help anybody. The sales tax that the, the states are going to collect is not going to be effectively collected the way they want it to be collected. It's going to be more complicated all around. And it's taxation without representation. So, you know, there's that. So what do you do, right? You do your best. You do your best to comply. We have, we're approaching several thresholds, and I think we, we have, I think, five states now that we're approaching the threshold. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what it is, right? We have to figure it out. We got to figure out how to comply. And the states all have different reporting rules. They all have different timelines that you have to report in. Uh, some, one state, Georgia, for example, that, we have, that we're looking at being nexus in closely soon, um, you have an option to either collect sales tax at the point of sale, or you can send everyone who the sales tax would apply to a, a specific form before January 31st of the tax year, that says how much they owe to the state in sales tax and then they have to pay it, right? But that's its own complex, you know, that's got its own thing, right? So now you have different things for every state and it's just, it's overly complicated for no good reason. So let's say that you don't want to do this, right? You're like, you know what? I'm just going to ignore the law and I'm not going to pay my sales tax because there are people out there that will do this. Right? Whether it's intentional or accidental, they're still not going to do it because there will be people like that. Well, that provides its own problem because let's say California thinks that you owe them sales tax. Well, California, how are they going to audit you? Right? Do they have jurisdiction to audit you? Well, arguably they do now because you might have nexus in their state. And if you might have nexus in their state, you might owe them sales tax. And if you might owe them sales tax, then they have the ability to audit your books. 
But let's say they're wrong. Let's say you don't have nexus in their state. Well, then they didn't have the authority to audit your books in the first place. So it's a chicken and an egg problem. And let's say that you file for, you have to file, you know, you have to get a seller's permit in all the states you collect sales tax. And so let's say you file for all of those proper permits and now you have proper permits in those states. But let's say you don't have nexus the next year, right? Let's say you don't sell as much in Arizona next year. And so you don't have nexus in that state. Well, you didn't pay any sales tax to them this year or, or next year. So they're going to wonder why you didn't pay sales tax, even though, you know, you paid sales tax the first year and not the second year. And so they may, that may trigger them to audit you automatically, but you don't have nexus in that state anymore, but you have the seller's permit. So you have to report, but if you don't have nexus, then you don't have to report and you don't have to collect. So there's a lot to this that has not been sorted out. And I do not think the Supreme court really thought through the decision, particularly because it went, this decision went directly against stare decisis, which is the fancy language of the court to say that we don't normally overturn previous rulings, right? The previous rulings about the nexus issue had been decided earlier, right? That was a previous decision that said you had to have a physical presence. They overturned that rule against stare decisis specifically in this way, and it made everything more complicated. So moral of the story, if you don't know anything about this, now's the time to good, get good at it, right? Go Google something, go learn something, because it's not going to get simpler and it's not going away, because why would it, right? And if you're interested, go uh, support, go contact your local senator and tell them that uh, you want to help get S2350 out of committee, on the floor, voted on and passed in 2019 to solve most of the problems that 2019 are going to have from a tax perspective. So please go do that. And if you've got a good solution to this that I haven't thought of, please let me know because I have been spending a lot of hours trying to figure this out. So... All right, folks, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to check back in on Tuesday for our next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button below to be sure to get the latest podcast right away. Wow. Uh, if you have any questions or concerns about your leather binder, please feel free to contact us on the main page of our website at murdycreative.co or you can contact us via Instagram and Facebook. You can call, uh, text, email, direct message, all the usuals, and I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible, but I do appreciate your patience. That being said, uh, if you think we deserve it, a good review can go a long way to help us grow our new community, and word of mouth is still the best form of advertising, so please tell your friends. If you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send them my way. I'm always happy to engage with our growing community. I want to give you guys what you're looking for. Uh, if you're looking for multiple binders for gifts, giveaways, menus, really any reason, ask about our book discounts available. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day and goodbye.